Let us pray together. Isaiah 1 tells us, The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and the appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Church, are you listening? He's not listening to our prayers because our hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of your sight, out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Will we not be here today offering God our offerings and our good deeds and our actions, our zeal and our passion, but inside we are meaningless, empty shell that has no substance? Who are you today? Why are you here today? Are we here to worship the living God who is here and who is to come? Or are we here playing Christianity? May our hearts turn to God today. Lord, we turn our hearts to you. Lord, we give all of our hearts to you, God. God, as we transition, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord. Lord, we cannot be here if your presence is not here with us. We don't want to be here if your presence doesn't go before us. We need you right now. Speak to us, for we are listening. We love you so much with all of our hearts, God, soul, mind, and strength. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. I just want to speak as the word that God has given to me today with confidence and it's not about again saying things in a way that will tickle your ears so that it's pleasing in your ears but I believe that this is a message that we should all take uh, very seriously and this is a message at first and foremost I'm speaking to myself and I pray that the Holy Spirit will pierce our hearts today this morning as we end this final service here in this space, and I pray that we will no longer go in this direction of repetitive, going through the same motions, through the same things, but when we truly have a breakthrough, not just in an instant moment, but truly to make that choice in that moment right now to give ourselves to God. Again, it's about the process and the growth. It's not about the instant change. So let's ask God to change and give us a mature heart to hear the message that God has in store for us today. So today's title is called, I Never Knew You. I Never Knew You. 
I never knew you. The Christian path is a very difficult path. It is not meant to be easy, and it is not meant to be comfortable. It is a path of many sacrifices. It's a path more than a sacrifice. It's a path of obedience, listening to God, and what and where God has called us to go and to be. If you look at the image in the title, it's a very narrow path. The path of darkness is unlimited. And the moment you take that path of darkness, we are not strong enough to overcome it ourselves. That is why it is crucial that we follow the light and we enter the narrow door. And how do we enter the narrow door? That's knowing who you are and who you belong to and understanding that you have a relationship and it's through Jesus Christ and it's through the power and the empowering of the Holy Spirit that could bring us to that path, to walk in that path, to pass that narrow door. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, Jesus, he says this, his words, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Away from me, you evil doers. I never knew you. Get away from me. I never knew you. Depart from me. And what does it mean in verse 22 when it says, Many will say to me on that day. It's talking about your final day on earth. When you take the final breath on this earth. When we die. On judgment day. These will be the scariest words that we will ever hear. And this includes pastors. This includes churchgoers. This includes your siblings, your friends. This includes your parents. This includes your children. This includes you. No one is exempt from this. We can do all the good work. We can look good. We can do all the good things, go on missions, and do the work that God has called us to do. You can do everything in the right way or in the perfect way. But if your heart is not right with God, we will hear away from me. You evil doers, I never knew you. You know, life is very simple. People pursue money for happiness, and they think that money and material things are going to give you happiness. You find the right job. You guys have been there when you don't have a job, and you finally get that dream job. It doesn't fulfill that emptiness that you've been longing in your heart. But life is very simple. Happiness and joy comes from Christ, of course. Joy comes from Christ. That is the core and the foundation. But it comes from having good relationships, having healthy relationships in your life. Having a good community is a blessing. So I say, take all my riches 
But if I do not have healthy relationships in my life, I will never be fully fulfilled and be happy in this life. That's why when we visit third world countries, that's why when we go on missions, when we've been to Philippines, when we go to these places and they don't have much, materially they don't have much, but they are full of smiles, they're full of joy, even in church settings, when they don't have much, they don't even have roof, but they have joy everlasting, because why? Because of the relationship and the healthy relationship that they have with each other. This is why when our relationship with God becomes broken, all becomes broken. That is why your first and foremost, the main goal in your life should be to have a healthy relationship with God. If you do not have a healthy relationship with God, oh, you will fall away and you will go on the path of darkness. And it's a slippery slope. And once you take that path, you will not come back. Of course, through Christ, we can always come back. But again, you understand the difficulty of falling away. So right now, I want us to reflect and ask yourself this question. Where is my relationship with God? How is my relationship with God? Am I in the faith? Again, where is my relationship with God? How is my relationship with God? And am I in the faith? Are you in the faith? Do you even have faith? Why are you here? Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 13.5 to examine ourselves. Examine yourself, men and women of God. Listen to me. Examine yourself. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Examine your heart right now. Test yourselves. Test it. How do you become tested? The trials in your life the difficulties in your life. Test yourselves. Do you now realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Do you now realize when Christ was here on earth in his flesh that he did not have a luxury life, but he went through pain and suffering. He was ridiculed by the people around him, even by his own family. Even in his own hometown, he was a prophet without honor. Examine yourselves. Examine yourself right now to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves right now. Do not realize that Christ Jesus is in you. Examine your heart whether you're in the faith. Test it. Why? Because Romans 6 tells us for the wages of sin, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, because the path of darkness is long and wide and it's full of death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we will learn today that our relationship with God must not be toyed with. You must not toy with the relationship that you have with God. Don't play with it. Growing up the church, we hear, and we've been too spoiled 
When we're young, we hear God loves you so much and God loves you unconditionally. God's love for you has said, steadfast, our theme word for Vision 2020, steadfast, everlasting, never-ending. It is forever. It is eternal. Yes, that is all true. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Yes, we all know that he gave his one and only son. Yes, we all know, and we grew up hearing that over and over and over again. But how many times do I emphasize it in our church? But also the wrath of God is very real. That God abhors rebellion and disobedience and a heart that is filled with sin, stubbornness. It is real. So when we play games with the priceless grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you will surely be crushed and it will be finished. Romans 1.18, it says the wrath of God, wrath of God is revealed from heaven. It's placed on us, on the wickedness and the godlessness. So may us today, as we get into our main scripture, may we turn to God with humility and with reverence. And I pray that you would humble yourself today and turn to him. And as David turned to God, in Psalm 51. And you will see today in our main passage, main, main passage, 2 Samuel chapter 6, the danger of treating the relationship with God lightly, carelessly, and casually. And when we take the relationship with God lightly, we fall in a place of insulting God, and we fall in a place will grow further away from the relationship with our Father. So with that, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. The title says, The Ark Brought to Jerusalem. It says this, David again brought together all the able young men of Israel. 30,000. He and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God. If you have a pen, underline that, the Ark of God. That is the key and the main thing here in this passage, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the Ark. They set the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahiho, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Uzzah reached out, took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez, Uzzah. Now before, God allowed in the passage here, to understand the history and the context of the story, before 2 Samuel chapter 6, 
God allowed the Israelites to be defeated. And because their rebellion and their heart was stubborn and they're full of pride, God allowed the Israelites to be defeated. And the ark of God was captured as trophy of war by the Philistines. And the ark of God was kept in the Philistines' temple. What is the name of the God of the Philistines? Rani? No, Uzzah. What's the name? Remember, that's the name I wanted to give you, the nickname. D, da, Dagon. Dagon, yes, the temple of Dagon, yes. Dagon, Uzzah is a person, Rani. Are you, are you reading what I'm reading? It says Uzzah reached out his hand. He's a person. <laughs> Okay, so just to understand what's happening here, there's 30,000 of people here. Imagine the number, 30,000. They're there to celebrate and witness this magnificent event. And they're celebrating. They're dancing. There's music. They won this battle. They defeated the Philistines. And they brought the Ark of God back home. And again, what is the Ark of God? Ark of God is the presence of God. It's a symbolic of God's presence. Ark of God, it meant that his presence was with them. And in this context of the celebration of 30,000 people, they have the Ark of God where? How is the Ark being transported, guys? How? How? How is the ark being transported here in chapter 6? Huh? On top of the cart. It's being pulled. It's on a cart. And people are celebrating. And what happens when you put things on a cart? What happens when you put luggage on top of your car and you go on a road trip? By the time you get to your destination, it's on the highway. It stumbles and it falls. And that's what happened. As the ark of God. Imagine, it's the presence of God. That is the most single, most important thing that the Israelites had. They put it on a cart. And as it stumbled, Uzzah, a person, not the God of the Philistines, Uzzah reaches out his hand to hold the ark of God, to keep him from falling, and instantly, God, his anger gets aroused he burns with anger. He strikes down Uzzah instantly. The question is, why would God, who is loving, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love, become so angry to the point that he will kill Uzzah, his son, whom he loves, on the spot? What made God so angry about the situation? I mean, wasn't it the right thing for Uzzah? Like, wasn't it a nice thing what Uzzah did? Like, he sees the camera's about to stumble, it's about to fall, and then Andy goes and reaches for it, and then I'm like, what? You know the reason why it's going to fall? It's because there's no weight on the floor, which I've mentioned many times, we should put the blanket on the floor, or else the camera's going to tilt. It's the same thing. When I ask many times, over and over and over and over and over, and finally it happens, then of course the person who's giving the instruction 
is going to get upset. Not right away, not in the beginning. Yes, we can make mistakes here and there in the beginning. But that's the same context, same thing that's happening. God warned them to not treat, not to treat his presence lightly and casually. And that's what was happening here. They treated the presence of God like cargo. And they did not take God seriously. So in your relationship with God, in your relationship with God, number one, are you careless? Are you careless? Are you careless? These people, 30,000 in number, including King David, the leader, oh, they were careless in following God's instructions. Take a look at verse 3 and 4. They set the ark of God. Again, the ark of God is what? Good. Presence of God. Good. So they set the presence of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the presence of God, with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. Meaning, handling the ark of God is a very serious business. How you handle your relationship with God right now is not to be toyed with. You must take it very seriously. It's more dangerous than handling, than, than radioactive things. It's like Ronnie, when you go inside the lab, the lab that you work in, you don't just go in there casually and do whatever you want. There are procedures and protocols, the things that you got to follow, yes or no? There are certain things that you got to do, certain signatures you got to do. There are certain things, methods that we must follow in order for us to avoid a meltdown. It's like Homer Simpson during meltdown. He just goes, mini, 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 mo, and then it just shuts down. Emergency. And that doesn't work. You might get lucky first, one or two, but don't go back and let that be your default. We cannot be careless when we're handling the presence of God. So the timing for God's anger to be aroused was justified. Why? Because there were 30,000 witnesses. As a king, David, he should have set the example. He should have made sure that the ark of God was taken care of carefully. But no, they became too casual and they became careless. In the book, God Behaving Badly by Lamb, he says, Yahweh, meaning God, did not want to send a message that obedience was optional. Since it was disobedience that led to the loss of the ark earlier and the slaughter by the Philistines of 30,000 Israelites, God didn't want to send a message that disobedience, obedience was optional. And it goes both ways, obedience and disobedience. They became too casual. They became careless. Why? Because previously, they had lost the ark of God because they became careless. They were rebellious. They became prideful. That's why the ark of God was stolen. The Philistines took the ark of God. And now that finally they fought with God on their side, they got the ark of God back, they got the presence of God back. 
for them to treat the ark of God, the presence of God, so carelessly. Of course, God, in his anger, he is justified. The fact that they were too careless, not being extra careful, was insulting to God. Again, previously they had lost the ark of God to Philistines because they were careless and they were prideful in their attitude towards God. And God did not want them to lose the ark of God again. Why? Because the ark of God was the presence of God. God gave clear instruction just to see the image here. The ark of God was meant to be carried by the Levites in all corners. And, what, and who and what are the Levites? They are the priests. They are meant to be carried on their shoulders. God specifically instructed the Israelites to carry the ark, that it should be carried by the priests on poles through the rings on the side of the ark. Like us, we are called to carry the cross daily. It's not meant to be put on something that is easy. Oh, here, help carry my cross. You take it, pastor. You take it, brother. You take it, my friend. Pray for me. And you can't even pray for yourself. How do you expect people to pray for you when you don't even have faith? And you are careless in handling the presence of God. God specifically instructed the Israelites to carry the ark by the Levites with reverence. And we are called to carry the cross daily with reverence. God made it very clear on how the ark of God was to be handled. I want to ask you something. How do we treat the presence of God in our lives? Again, the presence of God is meant to be carried, not on a cart like some luggage, like a scapegoat, like a baggage that we put. You only do that when you go on vacation. You carry the valuable things with you always, just like when you travel, go on missions. You could lose, I could lose my clothes. I could lose my socks, all of my things and whatever gifts that I might have, but I keep the passport closest to me, right? If I don't have my passport, then I can't even come back home. You need to keep the documents, the most important thing, with you. That's why you keep it in a backpack. It's meant to be carried by you. Only the foolish ones will put it in their luggage. Maybe they may even check the bag in or you lose the passport. Do not be careless in carrying the most important thing in your life by asking your friends, siblings, mothers, fathers, your pastor to carry God's presence. No. Luke 9, 23, 24 says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily, daily. Not our missions, not only last week, not just because when you feel like it, daily. And follow me. If you're not, you're not following Christ, you're following something else, you're following Satan. For whoever wants to save their life, will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 
1531, I die every day. Who can truly make this claim? Those who are here. I die sometimes. I die only when I feel like it. If it's pleasing to my ears, as long as it tickles me, as long as the pastor gives a good message, as long as I cry during service, then maybe I will die. But the moment we step our foot out the door, you will not die. You're faking it. You're playing a game of Christianity. I die daily. I die daily. So again, in the beginning I said, in your relationship with God, to add that, are you careless? Point number two, are you insulting? Are you insulting? Are you insulting to God, to the presence of God, to the ark of God? Not only was it casual and careless, it was insulting what they were doing. This is not a bag of suitcase. It was the presence of God. To be carried, it represents royalty, going back all the way in history to the ancient times, to other nations, where kings and queens were carried on the shoulder, not on a cart. It was important that God's presence was to be treated in a royal fashion because he was their God. He was their king. David was not their king. David was just an earthly leader. But God was their king. And even though David was king, God was sovereign over David, and God was sovereign over the nation of Israel and his people. That's like us. Oh, we don't have enough cups and plates, so let we get the communion cups and the plates, and we start drinking out of it casually. Using the Bible as to burn fire. We need more paper. Using the Bible to put the fire. Again, these are just items. But it's about the symbolism. What does it symbolize? The ark of God symbolizes the presence of God. By putting the ark of God on a cart, it meant that in essence they were saying the ark of God was just another luggage. It was just a cargo. Philistines way, carrying the ark of God on a cart, that was their custom. It was disrespectful. Yahweh's way, God's way, was carrying the ark of God on the shoulders of Levi's the priests. So instead of following God's custom and his laws, they were following the example of their enemies, of the Philistines. Are you insulting? Number three, and last point, are you comfortable? Are you comfortable? Are you comfortable? Too comfortable? Are you becoming too familiar? Are you becoming too familiar? The greatest opposition to growth is becoming too comfortable of you staying in a comfort zone. The greatest opposition, the greatest obstruction to growth is becoming too comfortable, is remaining in your comfort zone. Familiarity breeds contempt. What do I mean by that? Repeated exposure to someone or something often creates a contentious relationship. You become too content. 
When you know someone or something very well, you can easily become bored with them and stop treating them with respect. Since Uzzah had been hanging around the ark too often, he began to forget that the ark of God was the presence of God. He forgot that the ark of God was the holiness of God. He forgot the holiness that the ark of God represented. When they came to the threshing floor of Nakan, Uzzah reached out to call the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his what? Irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. There are too many times where we forget the holiness of God becoming too familiar with his blessings, which brings casual and careless attitudes. Just imagine all the Bibles that we have around the house. We're so used to all the blessing, eating up dust, when in certain countries, certain areas. That's the danger of the human nature, right? You know, when we're so hungry and broken, we are so desperate to cry to God. But when you have it all together, we are so selfish and foolish, and we are quick to forget. You are fools. I'm a fool. All of us are fools. I don't know how God looks at us with love. Sometimes I look at God. In his righteousness, God should just strike me down dead like Uzzah. He should. I really shouldn't be even here. I don't even deserve to be here preaching to you. Who am I? Who are you? Who do you think you are? If God is right in his judgment, all of us were Uzzahs. We should all be struck dead right now in an instant because we treat the presence of God carelessly, in an insulting manner, and in a comfortable manner. We forget the holiness of God becoming too familiar, which brings casual attitudes. So as we're sitting here today on this last Sunday here in this space, I can't make you do anything. This is your life, your journey. You do whatever you want. But for me, and I've been reflecting on this for myself, I'm going to examine myself to see if I'm still in the faith. I'm going to test myself. And I'm going to know with confidence that Christ Jesus is in me. What will you do? That's up to you. The Paul is in your court. As a church, the last thing I want, guys, and I'm saying this from my heart, don't do it for me. You do it for me, don't. 
Stop scapegoating me. You do it for God. Sometimes I get lost in this career and I do things for you, good with intention, but I end up forgetting that I am doing this for God. Which I don't, but again, it's finding that fine balance and it's difficult. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. Do you now realize that Christ Jesus is in you? If Christ Jesus is not in you, and all you're doing is because of works, your zeal, passion, all that is garbage. You think that's what's going to hold you? Oh, you will not. God takes away everything. Then what is going to be left of you? Before we're deep roots church, we are a citizen of heaven. You are a child of God. Do not forget your identity and your purpose to why you're here. Everything else is an extra blessing that God has given us. Community, people, the food that we eat every single day, the roof that we have over our heads, the clothes that we have, the new location that we're moving to. All that is extra blessing. But do you have substance? Do you truly know why you're here? I asked you earlier, where is my relationship with God? How is my relationship with God? Am I in the faith? Am I still in the faith? Are you? I don't care about your resume. God says he hates our offerings. They're detestable to us because your heart is not in the right place. Are you careless? Are you insulting? Are you comfortable? The greatest opposition to growth is becoming too comfortable. 2 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Test it. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? First John 5.12, whoever has a son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. Only one, one option, guys, one, one choice. You will hear many things, many different teachings from different pastors. You can do this, but yes, God still loves you anyway. Yes, that is true, but... God also abhors sin and rebellion. Where do we hear that? There's only one choice. I have the son or I don't have the son. Do you have Jesus Christ or you don't? Are you on the right or are you left? There is no middle. I have the son or I do not have the son. Whoever has a son, 1 John 5, 12 again, whoever has a son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. 
I have the son. I do not have the son. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Or I am a disciple of Satan, the world. That's it. That is it. You either have a relationship with God, the living Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, or you have a relationship with Satan, the world. And with world comes pleasure, all the blessed things that you call it blessed, temporary things, nothing eternal, nothing to do with the kingdom of God. You may be listening today, oh, this is pretty harsh. This is pretty strong. How can you leave me with two choices and say that there's only one option? Argue with God. Argue with the scripture. This is not my opinion. What I think is right. And as, I, as I'm speaking these words, I tremble and I fear before God, even myself. Have fear. Healthy dose of fear, reverence before God. Do not be like Uzzah, foolishly arrogant. Oh, the presence of God is always in me. Oh, yeah. Mm. It looks good, right, God? Look, it's cute. Mm, look. Oh, oh, oh. Dead. The presence of God is not to be toyed with. The presence of God is not to be toyed with. I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me. Some of you, we've done discipleship and we are so quick to forget. You know, we're good. During discipleship, we bring our notebook and all these things, take down notes. What's the point? Just throw it away. What's the point? It's not in your heart. Anyway, what's the point? What is the point of wasting time? Luke 14, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Count the cost, the cost of discipleship. God doesn't trick us into, oh, come, maybe, you know, with candies, come, like Hansel and Gretel coming, tricking them. God tells you right there and then, your own life, your own life, more than your family, more than anything else on this earth. If you don't carry your cross, you cannot be my disciple. And this is a reminder to you and to me that God is quick to love. And I'm, kind of, I'm going to soften it up a little bit. You know, God is slow to anger. Right? God is not quick in his anger. You know, God, he's not quick in his anger here in 2 Samuel 6. He's not like this God who can't control his emotions. He's like, ah! 
like us. <laughs> but God was patient with the Israelites over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And then there came a point where enough was enough. And Uzzah had taken the grace of God lightly. He became careless. He was insulting. And he became too comfortable. If you fit in this category right now, you're in a very dangerous place. Check yourself. Check your faith. Check yourself right now before you become wrecked, whether you are in the faith. Are you in the faith? Are you? Am I? His love is set, steadfast, everlasting, compassionate, unending, forever. But again, his wrath is very real. The wages of sin is death. Question, why don't people die more immediately? Because of God's slowness to anger. The fact that you're alive here today, the fact that I'm still breathing here today, because God is slow in his anger. And he is quick to love. Uzzah forgot to approach God with humility and reverence and with holy fear. He forgot that precious lesson that many of us are so quick to forget, so prone to forget. And the consequence was tragic. It was the death of his life. No second chances, no coming back. Once you're dead, we are dead. So again, let's go back to the slide. I have the sun. I do not have the sun. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm a disciple of the world, Satan. Satan is the ruler of this world. Which one are you today? One. Only one. Just go back and forth. We'll just go back and forth between these two slides. And when you're ready, and when you're finished writing, and when you're ready, I want to invite you to close your eyes with me to get your heart right, to get our hearts right before God without any distractions. life is so lonely because in the end we live this life 
on our own, and you are in control of the destiny in this one life that God has given us. You do not get multiple chances like video game where you can save and then come back and replay that mission. You only get one chance in this life and one opportunity. And even in this life, you can have all the friends in the world. You could have many followers in social media. You could be popular at school, but at the end of the night, when you go to sleep, you close your eyes and you sleep alone. And the most important thing in that moment is how is my relationship with God? Where is my relationship with God? And am I still in the faith today, right now? Don't get lost in the lights on the left, the sparkly things on the right, what people are doing over there, comparing yourself to that individual, who you were in the past or what you did in the past, whether you went on a mission trip and you did this, whether you served in the church, in the leadership, or in the praise team. All that is garbage and nothing if your relationship with God is not intact. If you do not have the presence of God in your life, all that is garbage and nothing. So right now, as this is our final service before God, as a church being here in this space, can we just reflect on today's message? I never knew you. Do you have the son? Do you not have the son? Am I a disciple of Jesus Christ or am I a disciple of this world? With our eyes closed, can we take a moment to reflect on today's message? And may the Holy Spirit speak to you. May the Holy Spirit come and draw near to you. And I pray, and I cannot do this for you, I pray that your heart will be humble enough like David was in Psalm 51. Create in me a new heart, O oh God, and a steadfast spirit within me. For God is near to the broken hearted, to the humble, the pride, the prideful, to the proud he will reject but he gives more grace for those who are broken and who will humble themselves today allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you right now in the whispers of your heart this has nothing to do with looking good or people hearing your prayer this is between you and God and this is the most important thing. Look to him right now. Hear his voice. Listen to him. May he be guided 
by the Holy Spirit today. If you need to pray, pray. If you need to write down, write. If you need to speak, speak. If you need to stay silent and listen to His voice, listen. But allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you right now in this very moment. Let's everyone close our eyes. Don't let anyone be left with their eyes open, distracted. Close your eyes and look to Him. This includes everyone from the front to the back, every individual here. Let's not hide behind our responsibilities or in the titles that we have. Let's hide in the shadow of the mighty God of His wings. Hide in the shadow of His wings for there you will find protection and there you will find rest and peace and joy everlasting. Do not hide in the tree like Zacchaeus. Do not hide behind the tree, the sycamore tree. Do not hide like Philip did. Look to him. Hide in the shadow and abide in the shadow of the mighty God today. For in him you will find rest and hope and restoration. Do not worry about the time. Do not worry about anything else. Your relationship with God is the most important thing. Spend time with Him. Look to Him. Look to Him. Speak to Him. Listen to Him. relationship with you, O oh God. I've neglected the most important thing in my life. I need you today. Holy Spirit, come speak to us. 
the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He prunes, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. With our eyes closed, this is the command that Christ has given us not just to abide and to love him, not to allow him to prune and to cut off the dead branches, not only to love him, but to love one another. So right now, can we transition? Can we just pray for the people next to us and around us? Can you also please pray for me? Pray for the praise team. Praise team, pray for one another. Pray for the person next to you. Let's just go ahead and pray for one another in prayer. Come on. Let's go. Let's, let's move our seats. Let's just pray for one another. Heavenly Father, we need you right now. I pray, God, that you'll bring rest and restoration in the lives of these individuals. God, you have commanded us to love each other 
as you have loved us. So God, we pray with a heart of love, with a heart of compassion. And God, we humble ourselves right now. We choose today to be selfless and to pray for one another, God. Lord, we need each other. Help us to be in the fight. Help us to remain in the faith. To abide in you. Not just to abide by myself alone, like a lone ranger. But God, to be remain together as a church. To be pruned together. And to go on the path, in the place where you are leading our church and our ministry. Heavenly Father, we need you. We need you right now. Strengthen us. Guide us. Lead us. Us, God, us. Not me. Not me alone. But us together. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you today. Right now, in this moment. On January 31st, 2021. For we will not get this day back once again. This is the day that you have made. This is the day that you have given us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Not later. But now. This very moment. In the point in the present. Lord, we need you more. More today. More today than yesterday. We need you more. man is this love each other as I have loved you greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends you are my friends if you do what I command Heavenly Father just want to thank you for your love and for your grace and for your everlasting has said steadfast love I pray God right now that you will strengthen us as a church that we'll pursue after you. And God, that we would just truly put all our focus on you and you alone. Lord, lead us today so that we as a church can walk and to enter that narrow gate and that narrow path so that, God, that we may abide and that we may remain in your love, O oh God. Heavenly Father, we need you right now, more today than yesterday. Continue to guide us and strengthen us. We love you. I pray all these things in your precious son. Just cause let me pray. God's people pray. Amen and amen. Uh, at this time, we're going to transition now to our time of giving our offering. Um, right now, what we're going to do is, like I said, we're going to be taking our special offering as well. Um, so what we're going to do actually, we're going to bring the basket uh, in the front. And 
We're going to just lay it here at the table in the front. Before I pray for the offering, uh, let's quickly uh, get up from our seat because, again, why I'm asking you to do this is a lot of times we are given and you are, um, you've grown too accustomed to receiving, receiving. I want you to, as a sign of faith, take action and get up from your seat. And you go and you give your offering to the Lord. Instead of God asking here, can you give me, who is God? Who am I that God even needs my offering? Everything that I have, the money that I have, the saving that I have, was all given by God anyway. He could take it all. None of this, the things that I have, belongs to me. So you are not doing God any favor by giving an offering to him. He doesn't need your offering. He doesn't need my offering. But we give out of the generosity of our heart, through the conviction of the heart, through the obedience of the heart, and we give it to him because we desire and we want to give it to him. And we get up, and we used to do this a lot when I was younger. People used to come to the altar You're encouraging your brother and sister as a sign of faith to encourage them as a testimony of your faith and your relationship with God. So with our eyes closed, when you're ready, let's just come up and give our offering and put it in the basket and take action as a symbol of obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's do so now. Father, here in your presence, we are undone. Under your presence, heaven and earth become one. All things are made new. And everything and every person bows before you, O God. Father, you are wonderful. You are magnificent. You are glorious. You are beautiful. Matchless in every single way who can compare to your greatness, and to your glory, oh God. So God, with humility, the Lord, with reverence, God, we give you this offering. For God, nothing that I have belongs to me, but has been given by you. And God, may it be used 
for your kingdom and for your glory and for your purpose and for the kingdom of God to do the good works that you have called us to do. Lord, we love you. May this pleasing, this offering be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. I pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. God's people pray. Amen.